0: Welcome again to uh, service and blessings on you if you're visiting us for the first time or the second time or whatever it may be, or your regulars, blessings upon you as well. Never want to take for granted uh, our regulars and uh, people that have stood with us. Um, We are beginning, I think, our 22nd year here for for the community, being pastors in the community. And... uh, Many ways, it feels like we're just still getting started, and uh, just believing God for His help. And thus far, the Lord has helped us, and I think we've uh, persevered many times. And uh, and and actually, that's scriptural: is to persevere when it's uh, not always happening the way you want it to happen, and to believe God in spite of, and uh, to press on our text of chosen today is found in second corinthians chapter 4 and we just came off of uh, James the letter of James we just came off from talking about trials a bit and chapter 1 of James we discussed a little bit about the the uh, the idea of how do we res- react to trials how should we respond to uh, th- when things don't always go right by the way i believe it's probably okay to say this but Uh, Life would not be life without trials I I think it comes with the territory I think that there's because we live in a fallen world because the sin entered into the picture we will have trials we will have testing we will have setbacks we will have sometimes afflictions Uh, sometimes we feel why is this happening to us and why what is the reason for all this and we wonder 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 and God is saying to us trust me in spite of Instead of, of, of just uh, turning away and going farther away from God, trials often, if we take it at a right heart and attitude, we get drawn closer to the Lord. Because I find I pray harder when I'm in a trial than I do otherwise, right? Are you like me? I tend to press in a little deeper when things aren't ours exactly uh, what we had planned on, so to speak, or when there's bad news that comes and so the kingdom of god really what we're going to talk about today is a bit about what is the kingdom of god what does it involve what is it uh, what how does it happen by the way jesus said he will build his church and i think we can trust him in that he will build his church and so again this is his church you are his church we together Are His church a part of His church across our world? There are many small churches that are gathered or gathering or have already gathered. Be if you're on the other side of the world, maybe it's day or night. I don't know. It must be night on the other side of the world, right? Does that make sense? If it's day here, it'd be night over there. So whatever, but the Lord is in control of all the churches, all His people, and His desire is to fill people so much that we will go out and run over flow over we will ooze out so to speak we will be able to speak and live in such a way that will be a witness to the people in the world there's a interesting verse or two in this fourth chapter of second corinthians just want to bring you to a couple of these to get our setting Uh, the chapter 4 by now Paul is describing this ministry that he was called to and in fact that we are all called to we are called to minister uh, to people that can be from various things that can be as simple as taking out the trash for mom and dad that can be as simple as giving a cup of cold water to one who's thirsty. That can be as simple as uh, reaching out and greeting someone you've never greeted before. There's so many ways we can minister. And Paul describes in these verses like a veil. Verse 3 of chapter 4, even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are paring. He's speaking about people, uh, the Israelites, who have... Like there's a veil over their eyes that they cannot see that Christ is their Lord. They cannot see that Christ. And in verse 4, we get clued in on why there's a veil. The source of this veil. In whose case, the God of this world, we know who that is, Satan, the God of this world, has blinded the minds of the unbelieving notice how he said he blinds the minds of unbelievers and that they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God For we do not preach ourselves but Christ Jesus is Lord and ourselves as your bond for Jesus sake now what is going to open the eyes of unbelievers is not going to be what I say It's going to be what Jesus says through me, or what Jesus says through you, or what Jesus does through you. That's going to open the eyes. In other words, we cannot open the eyes in the natural. We cannot open spiritual eyes to the natural. There's a spiritual dimension that has to take place. And we say, why can't some people see it? Why can't they just understand? It takes time the help of the Holy Spirit. And so we must must present, we must walk with that kind of walk, a faith walk that is embedded in the Spirit of God leading us. So now, by the time we get to verse 7, Paul describes this treasure that you and I have, which is the message of Jesus Christ, or the person of Jesus Christ, or the Holy Spirit, how He lives in us, that we are the we are earthen vessels. We are we are tr- we are fragile. We are we are earthen. We we are we are natural. But the Spirit of God, the surpassing greatness of the power, may be of God and not from ourselves. In other words, in our weakness, He is made strong. It's not you and I that's going to make the difference. It's Christ in you and I that's going to make the difference. So we get that squared up. We get that taken care of. We're ready to go. We're ready for ministry, at least to a degree. We have the basics. And now we start out. Paul started out on the wrong foot. Apostle Paul started out on the wrong foot. Thought he was doing God a service by killing the Christians. Thought he was doing the work of God by having them killed and destroyed until. God the Holy Spirit, Jesus showed up on the, on the road to Damascus and things were opened up. His eyes, his real spiritual eyes, were opened so that he could see exactly what he was all about. He could see, he knew in his heart there was a change, there was a transformation. And today we still need the transformation power of Jesus Christ. We can pretend to be a Christian, we can walk and act and say all the right things, but God the Holy Spirit is the one who can. Conf- who convinces us and brings us to the understanding? He does the work of the salvation. Amen. It is not about what you say. Well, I should, if I should have said, or if I could have done this, or you know, you you, you begin to, you know, maybe you feel like you've blown at a time or two. If I would only, maybe I should have said, that, "Wait a minute." Let's believe God. You said the right things. Maybe you weren't. Dis- maybe it wasn't the time for you to say something. There's a time to speak and a not time to speak. But Paul is describing here this this ministry. By this time, Paul uh, has experienced, maybe you'd say been around the block. By this time, Paul was describing in the next few verses some of the ways that he has encountered that has not been easy. Because often kingdom works, kingdom work is this: you take a couple steps forward, and you take a step or two back, and then you take, you know, a couple, you know, you go. T- it's a back. It's a, it's a battle, battle, one battle, one battle after the other. So one level, one level, another level, another level. My one of my friends, I just uh, loved when he said this. It was one of our. Um, uh, then one of our pastors, uh, I'm trying to think uh, the nationality escapes my mind, of course, Laos, I think it was Laos when he gets up he says to the man he says to the room, and his church was growing. He said this higher levels, bigger devils and we just gonna roar in laughter because you know we got it. He just said, "What? That's it? You know, we 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 want the momentum. We want to we want we, we just start to grow. And first thing you know, th- why is this happening? Right? You just stepped out. You were believing God. And you started to read your Bible. You started to press in a little more. And, and all of a sudden, this kind of gets thrown at you. All of a sudden, this what what's going on here? The enemy doesn't like it when you press in." Amen. The enemy, in fact, rejoice because you're doing some good. When you're disturbing Satan's territory, you're messing with them. When you're praying, when you're praying with intensity, when you're praying with an with a vision in your mind, a focus is see something happening. And good. You have to see something ugly at the same time. That's kingdom work. And we are not to back down when we see something ugly. <laughs> that should spur us on all the more. That should be, you know what? That the, the early church would say this often. They rejoiced that they were considered worthy to be persecuted. They knew that they were making a difference. And so, when we time we get to verse eight, Paul is jumping in. He is just expressing. The ministry, welcome to the ministry. We are afflicted in every way. we word afflicted kind of like fits a lot of category. It could be health. It could be emotional. It could be physical. It could be monetarily, anything. But... My Bible says in Psalms thirty-four nineteen, probably yours does too, something like this, that many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers. It is in the heart of God to deliver. The fact of the matter is, before we can have a victory, we have to have a battle. Is that right? Before there's a victory, there's a battle. And so we want We say we want to have the victory. You probably are in a battle. And you need victory. Or you need deliverance. Or you need God to come through. And God wants to come through, but it's not always in our timing, is it? It's not always in our way or what we thought. And you see, wasn't it the, the prophet... Elijah, Elijah, Elijah or one of them guys, Elijah, or Elijah get them mixed up. And I'm human, right? This Naaman guy, okay, right? He had a problem. His health, was he was lepers. And he thought. If he went to the man of God. He thought. He would do this, wave his hands, say a few words. He'd be healed. Amen. Go down the door, go down the muddy and dip seven times. Whoa, no. There's no way. Yeah. I don't want to even talk to you. Let's go down and dip. Finally he was convinced. And sure enough, he came back healed. So God always doesn't work. Doesn't, he's not a cookie cutter. It's not always the same. For you or for, the, for someone else in their situations, you can't just say, well, do this and this will happen. God often does work in similar ways. But God is a creator. God is a God who is alive. God is the one who has, a, he's way out past us. And he sees the bigger picture. And he knows how to take our pain and all our stuff and bring it all to a conclusion that will affect the most for his kingdom's sake. Because why? He is building his church. Not only interested in what your circumstances are, but he is able to take all this junk, stuff, all the battle, and bring something good out of it. That's our God. That's who he is. because I'm convinced we cannot be in life and we cannot go through life without having trial. I don't think we can live. Really? There'll be something. Now, I don't like to go out looking for trials. I don't look, you don't have to look for trials. You don't have to look for trouble. What did Jesus say? What did he mean? He'd take one day at a time. He said in Matthew chapter 6, each day has enough trouble of its own. And so this is how it works. We have to live with the one day uh, at a time. Enough day, one day at enough is enough is what he's really saying. So number one, this life is not exempt. Of trials and we were and Paul goes on he was he was crushed but uh, he said every he was afflicted and every but not crushed and let me back up he was afflicted and every but not crushed perplexed but not despairing how many of you have been perplexed troubled he's just thrown up, but you don't you don't. you know there's there's an answer that will come there's a way out somehow there's a way that God will make, persecuted but not forsaken, struck down but not destroyed. See how he comes back with it. There's always something good. God is able to take that which the enemy would try to put on us and turn it around so something good comes out of it. When they thought when they thought Joseph and they threw him in, in the pit and they left him for dead and they, his brother said, You know, one of them said, Well, we better save them. We better just not kill them. And Joseph was sold into slavery in Egypt. That, in fact, was the plan of God. It, in fact, was the way God used Joseph to become the savior, the salvation of his family, which led his family back into Egypt to live because there was famine. And Joseph was put in a position where he had the power to give the grain and to distribute the needs that were around him. Think about this, folks. There are so many times when we wonder why. I've wondered, why now? Why, God? What is your plan? What is your purpose? I come back to this. uh, Oftentimes I'll say, you know what? Satan wants to distract you. Many times this is the way he works. To get your mind to think on the negative. To get your mind to think on the worst. To get you to stop praying for a moment or to start to be afraid. That's how he works. And so that you give up on your joy. He takes, he steals a little of your joy. He wants to take your song. He wants to discourage you. You know what? What we do in those cases, as we begin to dig in, we begin to praise him a little more. And I don't maybe always feel like praising the Lord. You know what? I find myself, I got to deal with Gary a little bit. I got to deal with the, uh, the, uh, the the old nature so many times. It's not natural for me to praise God in hard circumstances. But I find it begins to turn around inside of me. Something begins to happen because I now begin to focus on the Lord rather than my problem. And I begin to abide in him as he abides in me. And all of a sudden you find yourself, you're not, you're not do the one that's responsible for the outcome he is. You, he's the one who's in charge and so you turn over the situation to the Lord and so, see, none of us uh in ministry should ever begin to take the place of God I can never begin to think that if I'm not there then it will go down I begin to, I need to think this way God this is your church as long as you want me to be a part of it, as long as you want me here in this place, I must stick here and stay with it. I believe that God maybe sometimes calls us to workplaces, to jobs. Sometimes things don't always, you know, feel comfortable. But sometimes we got to pray through it and stick with it. Sometimes that another door opens. That can happen. But oftentimes God is working in us something that's called... Uh, perseverance you ever heard of that word purse your purse no not your purse perseverance perseverance has to do with sticking to it I don't know if it's the old Norwegian in me but it my brother used to say this when we were doing concrete work the harder it is the better we like it where does that come from something about just pressing through carry that on into your prayer life was it not a man called jacob who was afraid because he was a conner he deceived the birthright he just stole it from his brother esau many years have passed He's afraid Esau's coming. He's coming with an army. And Jacob, he's thinking about what he did. <laughs> and he lets his family uh, go one direction. He stays back with God. And he, he basically was desperate to the point where if God didn't show up, he was gone. You see, when we are in that place of desperation, we will pray like no other, which is a good thing. We will believe God like no other. And so Jacob, as he wrestled with God, and he said, as it says, the angel of the Lord possibly could be Christ himself. The angel of the Lord often was an Old Testament reference to the Christ. He wrestled. And finally, he says, "I will not let you go until you bless me." What kind of, what kind of praying? What kind? Of, what does it take for you and I to cry unto the Lord? I am not going to leave this place until I hear an answer or I sense the release in my spirit that it is done, it is finished. And so it's turned out, God touched him and lamed him and the hip, and the sinew. And from then on, Jacob went with a limp. Jacob was almost marked as a memory. He'll never forget that. He would never forget that. I believe there are stages and moments in our lives where we would look back, and if it had not been for so-and-so that showed up, or if it had not been that God intervened somehow, we wouldn't be here even to tell the story. If God would not have showed up in your situation, it's over. But God is the God of deliverance, a mercy and compassion and he sees the bigger story sees the bigger picture and see what is it that god how does he get the most glory when in our weakness we are he is made strong When you come to a place in your life and you say, I can't do it. He can. God gets most glory. So what is Paul describing here? Verse 10, he describes always caring about in the body the dying of Jesus. What is that all about? That the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. What is Paul saying is that for him... His life, his entire ministry is to preach Christ, not only to preach him, but to live for him. To live, let Christ live through him. The only way that he could go forward in the ministry is knowing that the spirit of God was leading him from place to place. Opening doors and closing doors. And then we just, we read this. What does it mean, verse twelve? So death works in us. What does he say? That he's been near death. He says he's had close experiences with death. In fact, that death physically is one thing, but there's a death that is described that Paul described in Romans, that one must die to himself. He describes it throughout his letters that he died daily what is he talking about he's dying to his own will And it would have been easy to say this is enough lord this is too hard i'm not go i'm not going to risk my life for those few people over there he would have been like a jonah said don't you know i'm getting out of here i'm taking the first ship out of here i'm not going to nineveh There's, this is too much this is too hard what is he saying He's reflecting on the Christ-likeness. See, because Jesus could have said no to the cross. He could have. Wouldn't it have been awful for us? You see, Jesus died to himself over and over and over and over again. While he was on this earth, he always talked to the Father. What was his, what, what he would do? To the I believe he talked to the Father, and then he would go out and do it. And it came to a point he knew that he was, he knew that the cross was coming. He knew that the, the torture, would come. That the Bible says in Hebrews that he looked past, who for the joy set before him, he could see people. I believe he could see people coming into the kingdom. That's why he came, because he could see you and I, perhaps even you and I today, in need of him. (laughs) That he rescued us. He was was the one who became the sin so that we could be made whole, not not have sin. And it's this kind of attitude that if we're going to minister to others, it's going to take the touch of Jesus to minister beneath the influence of the Holy Spirit. Because when Gary doesn't have it, Gary needs the Holy Spirit. You and I need the help of the Holy Spirit. When we have days, we'd rather maybe just stay in bed a little longer. Right? And that's okay. If you need your rest, get your rest. Right? No condemnation. But when God is working and moving, you know what? I just would say this. The most important thing in ministry is to walk with God. I, I'm convinced if I will keep my guard, my walk with God, value it, spend my time with the Lord, things are going to work better. Things are going to work together for good. Much better than if I try to try to do things, make things happen in my own strength. You know what's going to keep us going for the long haul? It's going to be the, The one step in front of the other. How many know the word plodder? Plod. How many know that? How many do that? Yeah, I I think you do. Plod. What is it? You're not maybe the fastest person on the block, but you're steady. Steady. Consistent. You see, when Jesus talked about this parable of the sower. And the the seed that fell. Some fell on rocky soil. It sprung up, and what what happened to that? As soon as they had the heat, as soon as they had a trial, they weren't grounded. They they fell over. They f- they withered. Or well, the cares of this life, he talked about some seed fell in good soil, and was able to bring fruit. That is what God is all about: bearing fruit, bringing something. To his kingdom, bringing something even when it's hard and it takes, it seems like it takes a lifetime to see any result, stay at it. Keep on believing, keep on. You see this passage that we're looking at really is dealing with the temporal, the body where we live in this earth, this season of life is temporal to what's next eternity and so we by the time we get to verse 16 he said we do not lose heart but though our outer man is decaying yet our inner man is being renewed day by day we should say we're not getting older we're getting younger what does that mean that's obviously we're we're not thinking straight right we look in the mirror and say oh man oh man this you know Things aren't what they used to be. (laughs) Come on. Ah, am I with, are you with me? These never had to use, you know, that was no problem. These, that was never a problem. You know, how many have aches, stiffness? That used to never, what do you mean? You know, this is life. Our outer man, going downhill. Do everything you can to keep it up. Eat right, that's tough. Think right, sleep enough, still gravity. But the best news is this. Your inner man is more important. Your inner man is going to live with God forever. The soul man lives on forever, forever, forever. And we are invited to live a life that he calls it an abundant life. Some days it doesn't feel abundant, and some days you want—you uh, know—you want to—you want to get out. <laughs> That's natural. Paul himself had sickness and affliction. He prayed God three times. He probably even prayed more than that. I, I, I'm just saying this is what the scripture says. God says, my strength is sufficient for you. In other words, for some reason, God allowed him to lead with perhaps a limp or a weakness. You see, when the people of the world look at us and say we're all perfect, see we're all, if we're all perfect, They can't relate to that. But they see you struggling, yet they see the inner man of you having a joy, having a peace. There's something there that they want. How can I have that? And that's that's very much the reason we, you and I today, can have a witness because it doesn't matter what we really look like, it matters who we are, how we respond, how we live our life in a daily, day, day-by-day day experience, never giving up, because in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, we could be caught up out of here at any moment to be with the Lord. All we are, if our life is snatched from us, we are in the presence of, Paul said it, I'm torn to be with people in ministry or to go and be with God. That is still even better. To die is gain. And so we come to this place. What is it that keeps us anchored, stable? It is this thinking that I find in this whole passage Verse 17, for momentary. Love that word. Momentary. In other words, like, this life is a moment. This life is but a moment in comparison to all eternity. And he says light affliction. In other words, in comparison to the glory and the weight of the reward, this Affliction is just light. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. You've got to read it a couple times. Have you ever bought a new car? How many bought a new car? Four, five, six, yeah, Nice you remember how it looked and just you're so afraid somebody's going to scratch it right you were careful where you're parked right you know, you know there are people that you know they swing their door and bam remember i had this truck it wasn't brand new but it was nice got against a fence post close to it anyway and there was barbed wire sticking out and it just after the first scratch, it didn't matter. It's just tough. You know, I that yeah, just by attitude. I was, it was, you know, I said, sickening something. This is, you know, just can't keep nothing nice. Can't keep it nice. You build a new house. 10, 15 years go by and you need a new something, you need a new something, it's always something. Maintenance, it's life. The good news is this. On the other side, rust doesn't happen. Moths don't eat your clothes. And there's this presence there that will make you more alive than you've ever been in your life. Because it's in his presence that we live and move. In his presence is the fullness of joy. At his right hand are pleasures forevermore. There are things which we haven't thought of that await for us in heaven. There's this presence that we are going to see him face to face. You see, all of our worldly, worldly time waits is light. It's like, did it even happen? It's like it really is far more than we deserve. This sea, this momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all. You cannot compare. There's nothing really. There's some things you can try to get close to what heaven is all about. You'll never want to come back to this place. Heaven is so great. and The things that we see right now are temporal. So let's not get caught up what I'm saying is, I believe the Bible teaches this, that to stay focused, heaven, eternal. What, what we do and how we do it is more is most important. How we live, not how much you have, uh, not how you look. It's about who you are. It's about being in the presence. It's about being connected to the Savior. It's about trusting him. It's about turning your life over to Jesus and so we can't fix things we can't change things ourselves the help of the Holy Spirit the good news is that we're only here for a season and it's gonna be gone and I was I just want I don't want I don't want to be caught up in looking back as Lot's wife her heart was in Sodom but it's time i'm ready and it's time he calls i'm ready that's the way we have to live jesus take us to that place in our life we are totally surrendered it is in your hands let us be found faithful in the places you've called us to be faithful in the workplace in the family life in the relationships in the community, in the church. May it go beyond our, our expectation. Lord, I pray that there will be much fruit that would be lasting fruit. And then when we come to the end of our life, when you call us home, we know that we've done our best for you. And we will have no regrets. Lord, we just invite you into our lives even now that you'll be Lord Savior, and our God in whom we trust, because we need you every day and every moment. Help us to take it a step at a time, in Jesus' name, amen.